If you have your Bible, John chapter 19, verse 30. Always love coming here. Love you folks with all my heart. Just feels like I'm home. Amen. John chapter 19, verse 30. The Bible says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. What was he saying? My work is done. I finished the work here on earth. Uh, The debt has been paid in full. What debt? Your debt. Yes, sir. My debt. Amen. And uh, God satisfied. It is finished. Um, In that was a cry of a conqueror. Isn't it good to know that? Uh, Death is coming to all of us, but because of Christ, the stinger has been removed. And the law has been fulfilled and nailed to the cross. God holds nothing against man when the blood's been applied. Amen? Because Christ bore our penalty. And to God be the glory for that. Amen? Bible says he offered himself. Old Testament, the lamb, once a year. But John said, here's the real lamb. Amen? And uh, he'll take away the sin forever. He died once and once for all. Isn't that good? Thank God uh, it's settled. He tells you and I, he loves the church even to the point, Kelly, he gave himself for us. I mean, we're a part of a living organism. And um, he's the head, amen? We get our orders from there. We get our instructions from there. It's good to know the one that's leading us, the captain of our salvation, has already went through what you and I many times are waiting to go through. He said, don't you fear death. I've, I've been through there. And the door's open, amen? Don't fear absent from the body because you're going to be present with the Lord. He take, takes all the sting from uh, sin away from us. In that, he says, it is finished. Well, what are some of the things that he was talking about? Well, number one, on the cross you see the supreme evidence of the love of God. May we never forget how much he loved us. Tons of verses. Romans 5, 8, we mentioned. When we was a nobody, he loved you. When we didn't see him, he reached out for us. Bible tells you now in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, he's the beloved son of God, amen, who came to earth for one reason, and that is that you and I can hear the cry of the conqueror that God has been satisfied. He tells you and I in John 3, 16, he's the only begotten son, which means there's none like him. And you and I have the privilege, amen, to invite him into our heart, to be, let him be our savior. We see him at, Christian, uh, at Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. We see him at Easter, we see him as the conqueror, amen, who said it is finished. God is satisfied and he has walked through the grave for you and I. Bible tells you now the second thing, it's the greatest evidence of the righteousness of God. When he says it is finished, He said, I loved you like no one else has loved you. I've cared for you. I offer you righteousness that man don't have. Think about that. We come in sinners, you'll leave a sinner unless you give your heart to Christ and let him take your sin away and put on his righteousness. What a gift. We can't earn it, we can't buy it, but you can humble yourself and you can receive it. Thank God for his righteousness. Sin has robbed me. Sin has taken me down to as low as man can go. Amen. Separated from God, bankrupt, blind. I mean, I'm a mess, but thank God he's made me rich. 
The first Adam took away from us, but the last Adam has given us all things. So he tells you and I in Hebrews 9, 12, Revelation 5, 9, that um, he has shared with us his riches. I mean, think about it. He's a creator of all things. Where is heaven? I don't even know other than it's up there. But he says, I know where heaven is because I'm the door to it. And everyone that walks through the door has the privilege that he'll share with you and I his riches. We are rich in Christ. What is the significance of the cross? Well, it's the ground of justification. I can't be justified unless I see him on the cross dying for my sins. Unless I hear the cry of the conqueror, it is finished. Only God has the power through the blood of his son to reach down and to make things right in a sinner's heart. We can be set free. We can be justified. We, be, we can be declared righteous in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Hebrews 9, 22 says it like this. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So many times we look at the cross with a, a quick glance. But I want you to go back and really think about what happened on the cross. Thank God for the tomb, but before the tomb is an ugly scene on the cross. Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. Don't ever forget, he took our blow for us. And uh, we'll find four or five things that happened. The Bible says in Mark 27, 30, they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. If you'll study that, it's a traumatic blow. It's a bruise to the brain. Christ took that. Not once, but many times. Right. They spit upon him and take this reed that was Hard, had knots in it, and whipped him like you'd whip a dog just because they hated him. He took all the rebuke. Should have been you and I, but thank God he took it all. Amen. Bible tells you and I in Psalm 129 verse 3, the plowers um, plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. With a jagged pieces of bone and metal, they ripped through him like you would with a surgical knife. They opened his body up. He Listen, he bled, amen. You could see the bones within him, but yet nothing was broken that the Bible might be fulfilled. What a savior, amen. Before he ever cried, it is finished. They took instruments and they lacerated him. Why would he do that, Bible says? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. <coughs> he reminds you and I of the penetrating wound, which is a deep wound caused by a sharp instrument. Bible says when they had plotted a crown of thorns, they put it up on his head and a reed in his right hand. They bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, hell, king of the Jews. Verse 30 says they spit upon him, took the reed and smote him on the head. My goodness, family, listen, I want you to be mindful. Thank God for the empty tomb. Before we enjoy that, go back and look at the cross one more time and realize he was wounded for my and your transgressions. Bible reminds you and I, number four, there is a perforating wound to pierce through with iron spikes driven between the bones, separating but not breaking them. Psalm 22, verse 16, they pierced my hands and my feet. 
The promise was made in Genesis chapter three, amen, that his heel would be bruised, but Christ would deliver the blow to the head. Crush him, take all authority away from him, the power of our enemy. Thank God death was dealt with, but we have victory because of what he went through on the cross and the tomb is empty. He reminds you and I in this scripture that um, he took this perforating wound for our transgressions. Number five, the Bible says there's an incise wound. It's a cut produced by a sharp-edged instrument. John says it like this, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. Blood is a picture of justification. I mentioned that. Water is a part of sanctification. Positionally, when we invite Christ in, he sets us up out of the family of darkness and he puts us into the family of light. Amen. We're no longer guilty before a holy God. We've been saved and justified. You study the word. It's unbelievable. It's as if we've never sinned. It's like it's not there. Where, where is it at? It's forgotten. Why? Because Christ paid our debt on Calvary. You take uh, about the word sanctification, not only positionally am I set apart, but practically every time I get in the book and read the word, it'll strengthen me. Hey, man, we can grow in grace. We can grow in our faith. There's all types of areas that we can grow. The Holy Spirit sets us apart, makes us stronger, opens your eyes, gives us the enlightenment of Scripture. Thank God I'm thrilled positionally I'm in Christ, but I need his power every day that I live. And that is a picture of that water that came from him. Thank God he sets us apart for his use. Bible says Christ was forsaken. John says it like this. He was forsaken by the world he created. He put it all in action, called it in in order. He made man, but the spirit of man, but everything that he made seemed like it just went against him. Can you imagine that? The very man that you created spit on your face. The men that you created and give a chance to walk and know God, what they do, they take a rod and beat him. They take a crown of thorns and pierce his head. The idea is may we never forget he was wounded for our transgressions. Bible says Christ was forsaken not only by the world he created, but by the nation in which he sprang by his own village, Nazareth where he spent his childhood. I mean, God loved Israel. Israel was called the child of God. He took them out of Pharaoh's hand, crossed the Red Sea, fed them in for 40 years. God was good to Israel, but Israel was never good to God. He said, I'll give you prophets. They stoned him. They asked for judges. He gave them judges and misused them. No matter where you found, we want a king. And they, uh, they uh, wanted Saul. Instead of David, Israel showed the rebellion, but in the long run, God still loves them. And one day he'll restore them. What I'm saying is what a wonderful God. Seemed like everything he touched turned around only to touch him in an evil way. But aren't you glad we can look back and before we can ever see the empty tomb, we can realize he loved us. There's no greater evidence of the love of God than to see what he went through on the cross. And when he cried, it is finished. Thank God he didn't die. He gave his life that you and I might live. He reminds you and I, even his childhood town, Nazareth, rejected him. We find not only that, but his own brothers. His own brothers questioned who he was. How would you like that? I mean, it's not like they didn't spend any time with him. 33 years they spent with their brother. The last three and a half years were nothing but the hand of God because he was God. And yet we find them dragging their feet. His own brothers question, are you really the Messiah? 
Bible reminds you and I, not only was his brothers, half-brothers, questioning who he was, but his own disciples that sat at his feet, one laid his head upon his bosom. They questioned, are you really the one? They didn't understand. They saw his death. They heard his cry, but yet they walked away defeated. Thank God for Christ's mercy and grace they would come and reunite, amen, and reemphasize and remind them and enlighten them. Hey, you didn't see it then, but may I remind you, I'm him. Thomas said, I got to put my fingers in your side before I'd ever believe it. I need to touch your scars. And you know what Christ did? He said this, Thomas, meet me here. And the Lord met him there. He reached towards his hand and said, look, Thomas, it's me. And Thomas said, yes. The Son of God. I don't know what he's done in your life, but I know one thing. He's a God full of grace and mercy. We've all dragged our feet. We've all struggled. I think about Gideon. I mean, he had more questions and more questions. God, I'll do this if you do this. And God stood up to every one of them. Finally, a coward was made into a general. God's so gracious. He's so long-suffering. He knows what we're made out of. He knows the blow of the first Adam, but he keeps reaching towards us. He keeps setting us apart. Why? He wants to use us for his honor and glory. I don't want to be in this category of one who questioned who he was. Christ was forsaken by the world he created, by the nation in which he sprang, by his own brothers, by the disciples that he trained. Listen, guys, they were there when 5,000 were fed. They were there when he put his hands upon the deaf ear and they could hear. All the evidence was there, but still there's that seed of rebellion. The Bible reminds you and I He was also forsaken by his own eternal father when he hung on the cross and he said, what, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I say this just to remind you, thank God for what he did for you and I. And it brings me to the value of the resurrection. The world could care less, but you and I have to value the resurrection. When others say we don't see the benefit, you and I have got to stand up and say, oh, listen, there's the value of the resurrection quickly. You can't be saved without it. It's necessary for salvation. You don't get saved by just looking and say, well, he's a good man. That ain't salvation. Salvation is, I believe that's the son of God that died, was buried, and rose again. That's the gospel. You can't be set apart. You can't be saved unless in your heart you settle the fact that he is the king of kings. Here's the Bible verse, Romans 10, 9, 10, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Not only is it necessary for our salvation, but it ensures our justification. Bible says in um, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, wherefore he's able also to save them. Anybody to... Then he says, to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Two things. Number one, he loves us all the way. Nowhere will you find the Bible will turn his back on his children. We are his forever, thank God, amen. And then God, the Bible says, Christ has the way of uniting a holy God and sinful man. It's the word reconciliation. If you take Christ out of the picture, there's no salvation. But because he lives, amen, man can be reconciled, justified, 
as if we never sinned. Thirdly, we have security because he lives. How could we even have salvation if we don't see the resurrection? How could you not ever enjoy the justification if he's still in the grave? But thank God he's not. See, when he rose from the grave, that was the receipt for you and I to say, hey, God is satisfied. And because of that, he'll carry on the plan. And now he looks at us and says, whosoever will, let him come. He tells you and I, thirdly, that he gives us security. Here's the verse. He's able to save them to the uttermost. And there's other verses there. Here's number four. You can't be fruitful unless, unless you see the value of the resurrection. Bible says here in uh, Romans 7, 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law of the body of Christ, that you should be married to one another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. You realize when you and I got saved, not only did we have a birth, amen, but we had a marriage. God united sinners, amen, through Christ to be the bride. And so in that being united, there is a marriage. Now we know that the marriage will be made public, but the idea is there is an agreement that was made. We also, if you think about it, and I never did until I studied the Bible a little bit more, that when we got saved, not only was we birthed and there was a marriage united to Christ, but also there's a funeral because we are to now die. We're to live for him and die to self. So you got a marriage, you got a birth, and you got a funeral. All that took place. And every day we got to address this thought because of the resurrection. I can't bear fruit unless he generates through me. It's not my nature, it's his divine nature. When did I receive that? When I said yes to him. He birthed me. He comes and lives inside of me. Amen. I can't go forward unless I have a resurrection power. But if he's still in the grave, I have no power. But because he lives, he lives in me. And we can go forward. And we can generate fruit. And that fruit ought to bear the character of the seed. A farmer puts in corn, he expects when God shared his son with us and we are all been, you know, generated from that through faith, our fruit ought to reflect his nature if he lives in us. Amen? Amen. So in that, he tells you and I that we need to be fruitful. Let me give you another one. He energizes the believer. All oh, that's the value of the resurrection. If he's dead, we're dead. If he's dead, our preaching's in vain. If he's still in the tomb, there's no salvation. But because he lives, we got all this stuff. Bible, I'll give you a verse. He says in Galatians 2.20, Romans 5.16, for when we were enemies, Bible says we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, ye shall be saved by his life. God says, not only did I save you, but I want to energize you to do something for my glory. Let me give you another one. The Bible says, he assures of righteousness judgment. Think of this. Because he hath appeared a day in which he shall judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. What he's telling you and I is he assures a righteous judgment. If you die without Christ, mark it down. You'll stand before a holy God, but you'll be without righteousness. 
Therefore, you'll be cast out or cast down. There is a judgment. Either you'll let Christ pay for it or you're going to pay for it. But because he raised, it promises whether you're in Christ or you're outside of Christ. There is a righteous judgment that's going to come your way. If a, if a believer dies, Bible's clear. Where do we go? Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. Present with the Lord. But if an unrighteous dies, where does the Bible say? In hell, in hell, he lifts up his eyes. So the idea is because the tomb's empty and he raised himself from the dead or God raised him, it promises you and I, saved or lost, we will be raised up in the last day. What are you going to face? Have you already gave, given your sins to him? Or are you still holding on to him? Are you going to let him pay for it? Or are you going to pay for it in eternity? He that hath the son hath. Life. He that hath not the son hath not life. But the wrath of, wrath of God abides on him. Decision's yours. Thank God for the one that said yes this morning. Amen. I can't do that for her, but she did it. Now, she don't know the transfer. We try to tell folks what happened. Sometimes we forget what all took place. But thank God, if the tomb wasn't empty, I wouldn't be here today. Amen. But because he lives in me, and I made the transfer through simple faith, God entered in and regenerated me to be a child of God. Lastly, the Bible talks about he guarantees our resurrection. Because I live, say it with me, ye shall live you ever think of the future we have because of Christ? Man, what a joy. We're going to have new bodies. God's going to deal with the earth. Aren't you glad? He said, I'll renovate it. I'll clean it up. I'll get it ready for my children. We got the beam of seat. Amen. Is it going to be wood, hay, or stubble, earthly, temporary things that's going to burn to your shame? Or is it going to be gold, silver, precious stones for your honor? What we do do here decides what he does with you in a thousand year reign. Christ will reign, will reign with him. Some will be over 10 cities, some will be over more. It all depends upon if you live by his power or are you still in the fleshly power. The Bible says we got to grow in our faith. The Bible says if you're a carnal Christian or even a baby Christian, you're not skillful. You can't be trusted. The same way in your job. You don't put a novice in there. Bible tells you don't put a novice in leadership. It'll take him down. Amen? Yep. Amen? So the Bible warns us you can be saved but not ready to be used. I don't know about you, but I'm learning slowly. God's helped me to get rid of the toys in my life so I can be a better tool. See, so many times we're entertained by what we want to do and we never give thought about what he saved us for. And we just exist blindly. But God said, I saved you to energize you, to give you a new view on life. I got to get you to die so that I can live through you. You ever wonder why some folks do more than others? Make more time, reach farther. I mean, we take care of, I mean, this is your field. You got to decide what you want to do with it. Your heart, it can be hard or you can soften it up. He tells you and I, it certifies the resurrection of all men. There shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Many verses. But that's the value of resurrection. Thank God he's not in the tomb. He lives. 
And he's on the right hand of the Father, amen, and he'll be there amen. until he calls us up. Right. And then uh, he'll meet us in the sky to take us home. And what a day that will be. New bodies, amen. corruptible will put on incorruptible, amen. And we will be with our Lord and Savior from that point for eternity. Matter of fact, you'll never see the Lord without his body. And that's us. Wherever he marches in eternity, we're with him. We'll be there. Every eye will see him. But guess who's behind him? The saints of God. What are we going to do? Nothing. He's going to do it. He's going to fight. Just how the, the sword of his mouth will devour the enemy. Yes, sir. Man will gear up. And God says, you're wasting your time. I'll speak the word and bring him down. Listen, he's already the conqueror. He's just carrying out the plan. If he's a conqueror and he lives in me, I'm a conqueror. Amen. And by faith, I got to learn to march on. We live in a fallen world, but thank God Noah did too, but he still did a work for God. Abraham faced the same things as, as Sodom and Gomorrah, but he turned his back towards that and said, I'll just take what you don't want and God will be there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have easily bowed and said, I don't want to die, but instead they said he's worth dying for. Turned their back towards all that stuff they could have had. They renamed them, re-educated them, but thank God they couldn't change their heart. We live in bad times, but I'm just telling you, there's a value of the resurrection. He did all that to set us free so that we can plow deep and uh, sow thick, amen, and let God bring us the harvest. I don't know what he's got planned for you, but just take one more look at the cross and realize he was wounded for our transgression. You ought to look at it. I I scanned through it, but listen, he took some blows. Can you imagine being, look around someone you know. Now, picture them on a cross and you couldn't recognize them. He was beaten where he was no longer recognized who he was. He wasn't slapped around. Right. He was beaten. Right. Took those pieces of metal and ripped him open like you take a zipper. Just cut him open. Why in the world shows the hatred of mankind when it comes to the truth? If you think it's going to be easy, it wasn't easy for him and it won't be easy for us. Right. But march on. Amen? March on. Would you ever give your life? I hope I wouldn't have to, but it might come to a time. Amen? If you really love something enough to die for it, you love it. Why did God send his son? For God so loved the... See, we forget about these things. And when we forget about it, we kind of get selfish, don't we? It's more about me than about him. But when you go back and visit the cross and see the empty tomb, you realize... He deserves everything I can give him. So maybe you're here tonight, and listen, we all drag our feet. We all kind of get cold at times. But maybe tonight this will be a good time to come back and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, for taking the blood of all of my sin. Amen? God, I see it in Scripture. You was wounded for my transgression. It should have been me, but I see it clearly tonight. It was you. Maybe you ought to come and say, God, I want to rededicate my life. Amen. 
Maybe you need to be mindful of the fact that the tomb is empty. And because it is empty, you and I have been set at liberty to serve him. He's opened the door. He said, all power has been given unto me, and I now give it to you. I don't know. Maybe you're here and you're not even saved. He loves you, and he's already given us the evidence. He's just waiting for you to come and claim it. How you do that, just give him your heart. You might not understand the resurrection, but you can't get saved without believing in the resurrection. That's right. Amen? That's right. It's a part of the gospel message. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Pastor's going to come. Take care of the invitation.